Welcome to Across the Dietary Universe, a podcast where we bring experts along our voyage to discover the secrets of food and how it relates to each of our unique dietary profiles. From the origins of diets to current eating trends to the frontier of food innovation and the future of how we eat, we'll discover that when it comes to food, things are not necessarily as they seem. Honeycomb is a mobile app that works with your iPhone or Android device to help you find suitable food to eat at restaurants near you based on your specific dietary requirements. If you're plant-based and celiac, low FODMAP with a tree nut allergy, keto and dairy-free, we support countless dietary combinations and profiles. Based on your inputs, Honeycomb curates the best restaurants for you and the best options to order at those restaurants. If you have more severe allergies, don't worry. Honeycomb only recommends you places that have a clear protocol to deal with cross-contamination. Pre-order Honeycomb today at get.honeycomb.ai. Okay, Dave, so happy to have you with us here today on Across the Dietary Universe podcast. Um, I would love to just jump into it and uh, go into the intro. Let people know who is Gluten-Free Dave, because it seems that a lot of people know who you are, but who knows, you could use more people following you and hearing your message, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so um, my name is Dave Stubler. I, I live in Kansas City, and I, I had a lot of um, digestive issues, and a lot of health issues for you know, much of my life. And about five years ago, you know, figured out the root cause was um, celiac disease or, uh, you know, severe. It's not an allergy to wheat and gluten, but it's, um, you know, that's what sets it off. And so I kind of navigated it on my own. I didn't have much direction or help from my doctors. So I used a lot of online resources. And then a couple of years ago, my sons, you know, encouraged me to start an Instagram page. Uh-huh. And, and so it started out, you know, just reviewing, you know, just things that, you know, we had in our kitchen cupboard, you know, meals we ate. And I try to get a post up every day and just try to you know, show that, you know, it is possible to eat normal type of food, you know, even with these um, dietary restrictions. And, and I have a lot of fun doing that. And what's normal type of food for you? What's your favorite things to eat? And, you know, so it could be any, you know, absolutely anything. And so that's one of my you know, challenges is you know, like an old family recipe and just find out how to recreate it at home. You know, it could be, you know, fried chicken. Uh-huh. You know, it could be, a, you know, an old dessert, a cake my grandma used to make. And or could be one of my favorite meals from a restaurant we used to go to that because of cross contamination and other issues, I can't enjoy there. So I, you know, take a, you know, a lot of pride in, you know, recreating those at home and making them you know, delicious where people with non-food allergies, you know, will enjoy them as well. That's brilliant. And uh, that's part of the reason uh, that it caught our attention. I think so. You're so, um, uh, well, I don't want to say late. Uh, laissez-faire as they say in French I don't want to say mm-hmm. that because obviously you have to be so on the ball when it comes to celiac but you're mm-hmm. casual about it you don't make it into um you know you you've integrated it I would say into your lifestyle very well uh, and that's probably I think why people really enjoy following you and, and and viewing your material and just to give people a little little bit of context I do have a little blurb on you here and just to let people know that you are a full-time mechanical engineer in the defense and aerospace industry. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So we'll get into that 
potentially CIA, who, who knows, the first celiac, <laughs> um, uh, part-time Instagram influencer uh, for gluten-free eating, as we've discussed. After many years suffering digestive issues, you were diagnosed with celiac and Hashimoto's thyroid disease, uh, which mm-hmm. I understand actually other people I've talked to have had that pairing together. They get Hashimoto's and they also are celiac as well. Um, autoimmunes, right. I guess, sometimes they, um, they group together, unfortunately. Um, right. And you were diagnosed with alpha-gal red meat allergy, which is uh, a disease, I think it's a quite, quite a rare disease, although inc- mm-hmm. increasingly more popular, um, a disease picked up through a tick bite. Um, That's right. And, uh, and basically through trial and error, you became an expert in this, and you're, here you are evangelizing and letting people know um, how despite all the mm-hmm. obstacles, you can still live, as you put it, relatively normalized uh, mm-hmm. life. And so, man, I, there's so much to talk about and unpack here, but I kind of like, okay, so uh, we'll get into the celiac stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. tell me about the tick situation because that, right. that seems like a nightmare. Yeah, so it's, um, I think the first case was diagnosed about 10 or 12 years ago. So it's still relatively you know, new on the understanding and a lot of doctors aren't familiar with it. And, and so it uh, comes from a Lone Star Tick. And the Lone Star Tick is a, has a little white dot on its back. So mm. it kind of looks like the, you know, the single star on the Texas flag. Right. And it'll pass an antibody from a deer you know, to people you know, through the tick bite. And um, some people will develop this red meat allergy where others don't. And I unfortunately developed the red meat allergy. And so it's a, it was a tricky one to diagnose where it's a delayed reaction. You know, so for somebody with a peanut allergy, you eat the peanuts or smell it or touch it, it's instant. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the red meat is delayed about four to six hours. Right. And, and so I was keeping notes on what I was eating at the time of my reaction. And it was like an anaphylactic and so very frightening and, and, you know, not been able to connect the dots, but it's, is in fact, what I had the previous meal, which was important. Wow. That, I mean, that sounds like a, like a spider web of uh, different obstacles to get through and, and distractions of, you know, what is causing it and what is the actual Mm -hmm. uh, culprit. Um, Right. and, And so, how long did it take you from starting to get the symptoms to actually realizing it came from a tick? And how did, how did you, did, did, did they just do a test on you or, or how did that happen? Yes. So I, I started with my um, general practitioner and, you know, they did allergy tests, went to allergists and I didn't get tested for a while just because the people I was seeing weren't familiar with it. And then I went to a new allergist and you know, he had heard about it, read something about it. And so just on a whim, he says, well, let's go ahead and test me. And it's, it's a blood test. Uh So it's relatively easy to do. And I believe I was his first patient that was diagnosed with it. Wow. And, and they've been, like I said, it's about 12 years old, the disease, and they continued to do blood tests for some of the early patients and the antibody levels, you know, drop over time. And so they, they feel that you you can outgrow it after a while. And it's kind of some late breaking news for, for myself. I went back to my allergist about two weeks ago and okay. got the um, blood test again. And my antibody, so normal is zero to 0.1. And I was at a 5.3. And I'm currently at a 1.2. Wow. 
And, and so he thinks that I, my levels may be low enough that I might be able to reintroduce red meat. Interesting. Yes. So next month I go back to the, you know, the doctor. And so I'll have red meat for breakfast and then they'll observe me for you know four to six hours to make sure there's no reaction. And then, then we'll go from there. So wow. I might be almost outgrown from this. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Right. And my understanding is that people do outgrow allergies, but uh, perhaps more early on in life uh, and not right. later. And so that's mm -hmm. quite rare that you're able to, to do that. Is it known that this specific allergy has like a half-life to it that you can, that you can outgrow it? Yeah, I've heard in the, in the doctor I've seen said that he has had several other patients who their numbers drop enough where they can tolerate red meat again. So it's, it's, you know, starting to become understood, you know, 10 or you know 15 years. And, right. and I don't know exactly when, you know, I, I got the tick bite and I'm, I'm guessing it was 2009, 2010. So it's been, you know, 10 or 12 years I've been dealing with it. So, wow. But, what a um, struggle to come out of nowhere, probably oh, maybe some camping trip or something like that. A, a exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Both of my sons are um, Eagle Scouts. And so we did a lot of camping uh -huh. and you know, we had ticks on us all the time, but it, you know, it's no big deal. Didn't think about it. And, uh -huh. One of those was, you know, got me. So just got, just got unlucky, unfortunately. Well, hopefully that, uh, the next test, uh, renders some, uh, you know, some, some nicer looking results for you. Exactly. <laughs> when were you diagnosed with celiac when you were young? So it was, it was five years ago. I'm oh. actually next week. Okay. Yeah. So you had your first allergy ever was the tick based allergy. I didn't get that diagnosed until four years ago. Oh, okay. and so, so I was, I was struggling with that for about, you know, six years. Uh-huh. And, and are you also intolerant to dairy? Do you have an allergy to dairy? That's something new. Yeah. I, I went dairy free about a month and a half ago. And so I, I was diagnosed with EOE, which stands for something. And it's another autoimmune disease. And this one is for the esophagus and where wow. Crohn's, Crohn's disease is autoimmune in your lower intestines. Yeah. Celiac is autoimmune in your small intestine. Yeah. And EOE is autoimmune in your in esophagus. Your esophagus. Interesting. Um, so, well, that's rough to, to hear that. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they, they, uh, I imagine they have some sort of like medication or anything for that. Some diet, yeah. anything. Yeah. It's all diet. Just avoid dairy. And, and, and most common culprits are dairy and wheat. Right. And so I, so I dropped dairy about a month and a half ago and that seems to have relieved all my symptoms. Oh, excellent. And Excellent. so for some other, some people have to go to, um, like eggs is another common one. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I, I can tolerate eggs. And then there's a couple other allergens that can, um, kick that off. Got it. I mean, that, that rings true and, and close to home from my experience because uh, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, uh, which okay. is basically like the cousin of Crohn's disease of the, mm -hmm. you know, lower intestine. How do you manage it? So you have celiac, you're mm -hmm. staying away from red meat. And now you have dairy uh, intolerance. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so how do you deal with that? Because I, I did find that um, in, in your posts that you make, you're, you're, you talk about the app Find Me Gluten Free, which is great right. if you're basically only celiac. But mm -hmm. once you start adding other things into, into the mix, now you have to parse even further through menus and so on. How have you found right. that over the last little while managing three different things? Right. So the, it, it's, it's tough. And so you're right. So I, I always start with the find me gluten free 
And then, you know, it's, you know, going through the menus, you know, making phone calls to restaurants and, you know, in some cases talking to the, you know, the chef or the preparers that just to, to understand, you know, what the ingredients are. And, and sometimes they get, you know, substitute and make it special, but you know, other times, you know, it's, it's not because of, you know, the kitchen is busy and, you know, cross contamination and things. Right. But, like, how did you feel when you first got diagnosed with celiac? Cause it must've come as such a shock. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the longer I've been off of gluten, you know, the more like reactive I am to it, the more sensitive, I think my body's let its guard down. And so that cross contamination is become a big deal for me. Mm. And so I, I would go to a restaurant at the beginning and I could, you know, if it was you know, relative, you know, gluten-free ingredients, I'd be okay. But then I'd go back to these restaurants a couple months later and now I'm getting sick again. And, and then start learning about cross-contamination, you know, shared fryers, you know, just kitchen space in general. And, and so it's, it's tough. There's very few restaurants that you know, we can go to, especially in Kansas city, you know, who can, um, you know, accommodate that. And so it's really had a big impact, not only on me, but my entire family. Right. You know, if we want to go out to dinner, it's very limited. And so sometimes we'll be somewhere that, you know, special for the kids that, you know, they want to go to a restaurant and let's all go and just drink, you know, a glass of wine or right. a cup of coffee and just, you know, just there for the socialization part of it. And so, I mean, that, you know, at first I was kind of, I don't know, annoyed that, the other places couldn't always accommodate me, but, mm. but now I'm accepting of it. And so that's just the way it is. And in fact, our, our home kitchen, um, I kept getting sick at home and, you know, we had, I had my separate food, separate toasters and everything. And, and so two years ago, our home kitchen went gluten-free and, uh-huh. and now I don't get sick at home anymore. And so just, just knowing that, that you know, we couldn't keep me safe at home, yeah. just, you know, my, you know, I, it's, I can't hardly expect some stranger in a kitchen at a restaurant, right. you know, to, to go that extra mile either. So, so there's a couple things there, right? And I, I think the, uh, I'll get to the restaurants, but the at home mm-hmm. situation I've heard actually from other celiac uh, families, or at least one member of the family celiac, like the mom or the dad. And, you know, the easiest way, the best way is if you do have that safe space in your own home, mm-hmm. because the worst thing is like, you don't feel safe anywhere. Right. Right. Um, so, so well done to your family for take, <laughs> taking one for the team, I guess, but they can always go out and get their bread fix somewhere exactly. else. Right. Right. And, right. And gluten-free is not, is not, I mean, there's so many amazing brands for mm-hmm. different products, which I'm sure that, you know, you're, you're very familiar with at this point and, and your followers mm-hmm. are as well. I want to touch on the, on the restaurant, um, side mm-hmm. of things, because there's, uh, there's three camps as far as I'm concerned for celiacs, the way that I have done my research and spoken to so many different, you know, customers, users, etc. Mm-hmm. We work together with the BC chapter. We're in Vancouver, by the way, we work together with the BC chapter of the Canadian Celiac Association. Um, and they rejected so many apps until we came along because we really did a lot of research. And, and, and the three camps that I see are the ones that say, you know what? I have celiac, but I don't feel anything immediately. So I'm going to go do whatever. And if it says gluten-free or gluten-friendly, I'm just going to go with that option with no care at all for cross-contamination. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's sometimes the people who maybe are recently diagnosed or they're a little bit more cavalier, perhaps are a bit younger, Mm -hmm. taking a bit more chances. 
And uh, the thing that's interesting with celiac that I didn't understand before is that you can actually get, um, you know, you can damage your, your, your body without knowing, mm. without getting immediate symptoms. And so you're hurting right. yourself without, and so it seems like, oh, this gluten-free pizza crust is fine, even though it's cooked in the same oven. So that, there's that right. camp number one, <laughs> perhaps mm -hmm. the unenlightened, we can call them. And then the, right. the second camp would be people who are comfortable actually going to restaurants with, um, let's say, like a dedicated preparation method or a dedicated protocol, yeah. dedicated deep fryer, for example. Um, and, and for the vast majority, I would say sort of live in that second group where mm -hmm. gluten-free is not enough. It's almost meaningless. It's whether or not it's prepared in the right way. However... Mm -hmm they'd still be comfortable going to a place that has non-gluten-free dishes. And then the third camp would be sort of the very strict where they would only go to restaurants that are 100% gluten-free. There's nothing on the premises. Sorry, that was a long sort of rant, yeah. but I just wanted to make it clear for our listeners. Would you agree with those three camps generally? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I, I generally live between camp two and three. Got it. And so it has to have a dedicated space and, you know, a dedicated you know, cooking equipment, utensils, and then, then the, you know, the completely gluten-free restaurants, that's a no-brainer. And, and so there's certain parts of this, you know, the, the U.S. where, you know, like Pacific Northwest, Portland, Seattle, you know, Vancouver, there's a lot of gluten-free options. Right. Um, Boulder, Colorado is very friendly. Uh, we were recently in Austin, Texas, again, a good, you know, right. a lot of gluten-free options, but in Kansas City, Missouri, you know, around this area, there's not much of anything. And what do you think is the, the reason for that? They're just a little bit, you know, lagging behind the, the general population or they're stuck in their traditional mm -hmm. style. Like what, what, what would it take for Kansas to have a, a dietary revelation? You know, I, I don't know what that would be because Kansas city, you know, I don't think it has that big of a, you know, a base of, of people right. who are looking for that. And so do you ever, you know, take it upon you to, try to convince a restaurant to say, hey, do you mind thinking about adding some options? There are people like me out there. A lot of it's misunderstood with just gluten-free diet because mm. I think, you know, being gluten-free has become a little bit trendy. Yeah. Where, where people did because some um, celebrities are. And so they're, you know, tend to be, you know, they say they're gluten-free, but they're very cavalier. And so a lot of the restaurants will observe that behavior. You know, they may even see the customer make a big deal about ordering their meal and then they eat a roll. Right. And, and so I think, I think a lot of the restaurants don't take it seriously because of that. Uh-huh. When we talk about dietary restrictions, there's people who hate mushrooms and onions and there's people mm -hmm. who will go into anaphylactic shock. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then everyone yeah. in between. Um, and so how do you feel about this actually being to some degree a social issue where we're almost discriminated against by people laughing or not taking seriously mm -hmm. the needs of, of, you know, actually quite a significant amount. If you, if you combine all of the mm -hmm. people with medically diagnosed dietary needs. Right. Absolutely. And, and then like I would like sometimes order a salad and it comes out and has croutons on it. And, you know, I'd remind you, I can't eat this. You know, I, I need you to make a new salad and, you know, and they said, well, we'll just pick them off. Or you, and I'm like, no, I'm sorry. It's, once it's touched, I can't eat it. Right. And so they take the salad back. And then I have a new one within two minutes. And I'm like, there's no way you had time <laughs> to make another one. And, and then, you know, I, 
and, and I'm the type of person who will avoid confrontation. Right. And so I'll just say, okay, you know, no just thanks. box it up. We'll take it home and somebody else can eat it. You know, I'm not going to not going to go any further with them. So Right. Well, the idea is also not to have confrontations when it comes to mm-hmm. dining out. Like it shouldn't be, it should never even escalate to, oh, right. uh, to having, a, you know, and we call it here ingredient Tetris sometimes before mm-hmm. you order. Um, and the idea is that, okay, the less we can play that back and forth, the better. Of course, it's always good to confirm, but I think something... Mm-hmm. Um, something that needs to happen is first of all, we know the education, but also ingredient transparency, because likewise mm-hmm. with, uh, your, your disease for celiac disease, you now also have to concern yourself with red meat. You have to concern yourself with dairy. And, yep. you know, what we do here at honeycomb is actually give you the ability to combine different allergens, to combine different restrictions together, uh, and, and to just find exactly what you're looking for. But that can never happen without restaurants opting in for mm-hmm. ingredient transparency. I'm excited to, you know, see the future of the the dietary landscape. And I'm curious to, to, to know your opinion on the future because my understanding is that if you have celiac, it's really hard to order using like DoorDash and Uber Eats and any of these services. Exactly. How do you go about that? Like, are you waiting for that next service or feature to come for you? Yeah, and, and exactly. And, and I wouldn't do the DoorDash or the Uber Eats or things like that because you, you, it's not possible to have that conversation with the person who's going to prepare it. You know, you know, please change your glove, change utensils, you know, pull from a new container. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, having that next step, that would be a, that'd be a game changer. Got it. And how has technology helped you so far in, in your challenge? Do you use like the NEMA sensor, for example? So I have a NEMA sensor and, and I know I have, you know, the capsules are not available very often. The company was sold a couple of years ago. That's right. And, and so I, I would rely on that a lot when I'd go to a restaurant, especially if I hadn't been there before. And so that's, uh, you know, the, the little capsules, you know, are $6 a piece. Uh-huh. So it's, you know, adds price to the meal. And, but, you know, it's worth it for that peace of mind. You know, just that, that double check after you get that plate in front of you. Right. So just checks and, you know, checks before you go, checks and mm-hmm. balances during the conversation and then finally the yep. last piece of confidence because really if you do get sick like you're you're you, you probably can't even work for like a week right so so my symptoms are you know once about a half hour after the meal i'll start throwing up oh and i'll throw i'll throw up until you know my entire meal's gone so it'll take you know, a couple hours and then i think so it's kind of a curse and a blessing where i don't consume much of it it just yeah, and so I, I have the, you know, like the brain fog and some of that um, kind right. of lingering issues, but it's it's not as debilitating as some people's symptoms are. Got it. Well, it's, it seems like it's very acutely debilitating, at least. Absolutely. Oh, is, yeah. It's not very fun if you're out with friends. No. <laughs> or we're on a road, road trip. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it gets, yeah, challenging. And we know that you're a connoisseur of gluten-free beer. Um, have you, fa- have, have you been sort of bec- becoming like a salesperson? So when you go to restaurants, Hey, why don't you carry this gluten-free beer? Yeah. And, and so I, so holiday breweries in golden Colorado, and they just started distributing to Kansas city. And, um, I think it was March. Uh-huh. And so I've, I've gotten to know their distributor and their sales rep. And so I can talk to them directly and, and they stocked it in the, you know, the liquor store five miles from my front door and, <laughs> Yeah, you know, they they ask me what restaurants I want to see it at, and and so I've, you know, I've been fortunate to get that connection, and 
And yeah, so then, and they're very responsive. And once it's in the restaurant and they, they give them a poster. So other right. customers are aware of it right. and it's been well, well received across the city. Yeah. I think it's great. I actually have tried uh gluten-free beer before and it's delicious. There's mm -hmm. nothing, I mean, I don't have a ton of alcohol to begin with, so I don't mm -hmm. know that I'm a huge beer connoisseur, but it would be really cool to start seeing even craft beers. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, we'll see it's, uh, what, what's yet to come for the gluten-free uh, beer situation. Um, but right. very, very cool. How, how have you, I mean, you're, here you are, uh, gluten-free Dave, uh, mm -hmm. as people probably refer to you now. But right. how do you feel being an influencer? You seem like the type of guy who did not, ask for this to happen <laughs> <laughs> no no not at all and it um, is, is very surprising to me because i just i do a post every day and you know, it's kind of grown and 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 it's funny my my son's friends they all call me gluten-free dave mm -hmm. and and they i enjoy cooking for them you know they'll mm -hmm. come over and or they'll see a post that i made two weeks ago and they say hey we'd like to try that so they'll they'll come over i'll make dinner for them or wow. you know cakes or cookies and and so I have a lot of fun with it. And it is kind of a way, you know, really for me to connect with my kids, right? you know, cause that's, that's where they're at. And so at the same time I went to Instagram, my wife started a Snapchat account. Okay. And so again, just so we can connect with our kids, go to where they're at. And um, so it's kind of, I had no idea that this was going to you know grow into what it is and, and, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. And you started a few years ago, you said? Yeah, it was, um, I think it was about two and a half years ago. How yeah. many followers do you have now? About 12,000. That's a huge milestone. for. <laughs> mm, it is. Yeah. And I think one of the things that make me stand out is, you know, being a man, you know, like on Instagram, gluten-free, you know, there's not many men out there that are active. It's, it's a lot of, you know, primarily women and 90% and of my followers are women. That's a great, uh, that's an interesting insight. And I was actually telling Marina that, I mean, you're the first guest that we've had who is a, who's a man. Um, okay. and, uh, because it, in the wellness space there, I mean, there's many, many women, uh, mm -hmm. influencers, which is great. Um, mm -hmm. but it is cool to see it from a different perspective, but I wonder if there is an underlying reason for that. Um, perhaps, and, and this ties into, you know, something that we picked up, um, from, from some of your posts regarding some, you know, family and friends reactions. Sometimes mm -hmm. that could be you know, accusatory of being selfish, of being a baby, of being weak. Um, right. And a lot of times people think actually of people with dietary needs. Um, oh, well, if you have dietary needs, it's just that you're a bit weak and, you know, mm -hmm. you can't handle it and they can handle it in other parts of the world. But in North America, we're a bit weaker and stuff. So mm -hmm. do you think maybe perhaps there's some embarrassment there and people not mm -hmm. willing to identify with having a, an autoimmune condition like this? Yeah, I think there could be. And and a lot of it is, you know, not wanting to acknowledge it either. You know, just knowing that you have issues and 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 just knowing how much you would have to give up to deal with them and just kind of that, you know, denial. Right. It says <laughs> that you're part of um uh I don't know if you're just promoting this, but I, I this was new to me. I didn't realize that this mm -hmm. existed. A celiac cruise. Yeah, so celiac celiac cruise. So there's a so there's a lady who uh, named Maureen, Maureen uh, Basie, and so she worked with Royal Caribbean, just started her own you know, like company and organized a cruise where you needed 500 people to fill a dining room. Uh -huh. And once she filled the dining room, then she could get a dedicated kitchen 
So all the food was safe and clean, no cross-contamination. And so we went to the inaugural cruise last year just as a guest. And at the time, I didn't know her, but I've since you uh-huh. know, got to know her. And so the, the next cruise will be in, in March, and they've got 1,000 people. So it'll be two full dining rooms. Wow. And so it, it's really, really growing. So and 1,000 celiac families, basically. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. And, and so a ship holds 3,000 people. So now it would be up you know, a third of that. And the bigger your group becomes, you know, now there'll be a you know, dedicated buffet up on the top deck. You know, there'll be um, wow. you know, other you know, things around. And even at the private island, they'll set up you know, a dedicated you know, food for us. And so it, it's, it's pretty exciting. That's really nice. Now, now, I, obviously, that's utopia. That's uh, mm-hmm. paradise for anyone with celiac. Um, yeah. uh, uh, one question that we ask, because this is a podcast across the dietary universe, of course, we combine everything together. Uh, but we also look at the future of food and, and how things mm-hmm. are going to evolve. And I personally believe that we're at the sort of uh, the cusp of a uh, renaissance or uh, an enlightenment when it comes to the effects that food has on our bodies and transparency when it comes to that. No more of the big Coca-Cola corporations just doing whatever they want. I think that's starting to phase out a little bit and it's going into not the regular meal, but the cheat meal category that Mm -hmm. fair enough, eat the donuts, eat the cake, drink the soft drinks, but that's not the, you know, the day to day. Um, Mm -hmm. how do you see, how do you see the future of food over the next, you know, few years, over the next 10 years, 20 years, what do you think is going to happen, you know, by the time your, your, your kids have kids? I certainly hope that we had matured and I, and I also hope that there's a a bigger like social understanding of how we got to all these food allergies. Cause I think 50 years ago, food allergies were rare. And, and so I don't know if it's the, you know, the chemicals they use for the, you know, growing the crops. Is it the you know, genetic engineering, the genetically modified food? So it grows faster, drought resistant, bigger yield. I don't know. Right. But I'm, I fear they're, they're turning our food into, you know, a chemical. And so I think just go back to more organic, natural, right. you know, farming and raising food as, as mainstream, right? <laughs> yeah, I think as somebody was talking about. And so I think a lot of the innovations in you know, the food is to drive the cost down. Right. But, it's, but the, the penalty is, you know, the, you know, actually what it is we're eating. And, and I, I saw somebody was talking about uh, you can go to McDonald's and get a hamburger, you know, for a dollar. You get, you know, the bun, the meat, the cheese, the toppings, the whole thing for a dollar. But then you go to the grocery store and you buy one bell pepper and it's a dollar and a half. Uh-huh, it's yeah. like, you know, so that's a, it's going to be that constant struggle between, you know, cost and quality of food. And yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, hopefully there are, um, you know, better times to come for us folks with, uh, with dietary needs, but thankfully there's people, you know, there's people evangelizing like yourself and soldiers mm-hmm. on the ground uh, trying to get the work done, so we might see a, a, a brighter future. Any anything that you wanna that you wanna plug, or just to tell people if they if they're celiac and they want to follow you, go to your Instagram. Yeah, that's that's the place to find me at this point. And and again, I you know I I learned a lot through Instagram, just you know about cross contamination, about products that are out there. Mm-hmm. And I you know I welcome people to direct message me. I'm happy to you know give advice, help out you know where I can. And um, again, just kind of give back some of that that I, you know, I've, I've learned from that platform. 
That's so great. Well, we, re- we really appreciate that. Did you ever think when you were diagnosed that a few years later, you're going to end up doing podcasts about it? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Never crossed my mind. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, I mean, I, I, I wish you well. I hope the, the next tests um, come out uh, well for you and you get the results that you're looking for. Uh, thanks so much Absolutely. for being on, Dave. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I, I had a blast. Awesome.